Good morning. It, it is really difficult to speak when you're crying. Um, I'm really moved. My wife is very moved. Uh, it's so wonderful to see our children ministering to us the Word of God through prayer, through reading of the Bible, uh, through their own thoughts. It's really amazing because when we started with them, we thought there was no hope and we thought they were too little and that it would take too long. But God is so faithful, so powerful, so amazing. And now they're part of our, of our fellowship. And even through this media, we are united, worshiping the same God. Praise to Him. Praise be to our God. I, I want to thank you, first of all, for walking alongside for more than 23 years, 24 years. It's been a, um, amazing, wonderful. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, in difficulty, sometimes in hardship, sometimes in just fun. Uh, all these years have passed, and they have been wonderful. And we have learned a lot of things, and I'm sure you also have learned. And now uh, we, are, we can celebrate that together we have been transforming brokenness into life into a different quality of life, the life that only God can offer to people. But today I bring a new challenge because that together needs to be reviewed. That togetherness needs to be checked again. Uh, is this better? Uh, thank you. Uh, that togetherness needs to be reassessed so we can keep together transforming poverty and brokenness into life. So please go to your Bibles uh, to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we are going to read uh, a few verses. I asked them to put uh, on the board a few verses, but I want to read you uh, most of the chapter for you to understand the context. Now, this is very important for you to, to understand as we read this passage. The togetherness that we have had, it has been with your elders, the elders of this church. Those who now uh, dye their hair in white or gray like me. Okay? And um, those who uh, 20 some years ago uh, used to dye their hairs in black or blonde. Okay, or had a lot of hair. And, um, but uh, today are, are changing like us. And, um, and those elders were eager to go and be part of this mission, be part of this challenge, be part of the amazing, amazing task of taking the Word of God, the love of God, incarnated in our actions and in our words to the poorest to the indigenous people, to the mountains, to the slums of the city. But today, we need to invite the others, the younger generation. We need to invite those who are still with their hair uh, blonde or black or in their proper colors. You see, and we, uh, we want to invite you to join us, to uh, come and be part of this challenge to realize that you are today's church and that you need to take over. You need to be part 
of those who take responsibility, full responsibility, for the missionary work of this wonderful church. And uh, I want to read you the passage, because this passage was precisely, this letter was precisely written by Peter when these congregations were in transition. You see, the elders still had a lot of authority and power to lead the church, but at the same time, the younger were raising up. And right in between this transition, the Word of God comes to tell us how this can happen, how a church can have this process of transition through which the elders give empower, give authority and empower the younger, and the younger take over the responsibility of the church. And the responsibility of the church doesn't stop just inside of this building or inside of uh, Orangewood uh, Church or inside of your uh, city. It has to do with the whole world. It has to do with the vision that God has put in your hearts to reach out into the world to share the powerful love of the Lord. So, let me read. And you will see how this passage first speaks to the elders and then speaks to the younger. But then it says a number of things that are common for us all that we need to understand. So the theme is together transforming brokenness into life. What is this together? To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who has also will share in the glory to be revealed, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. See, this is a first, first a calling to the elders. The elders to teach by example. Not to abuse their authority. To do it not because they must, but because they want to. To do it in a way that will be pleasing to God. And who is teaching this? A shepherd. Peter. Peter who has learned all these things through experience. Who has gone through terrible hardships. Who has gone through that uh, moment in which he denied uh, knowing Jesus three times. Uh, Who has gone through having to face the rebuke of Paul. When Paul is telling him that he's simulating to be like a Jew when he's with the Jews or a Gentile when he's with the Gentiles and that he shouldn't be like that and he's being called a hypocrite. Wow. That man who has gone through all these experiences, who has become a real shepherd, who through reflection in action understands what it is to lead the flock of the Lord, is telling the other elders to be good shepherds. 
to do it well and to use their examples as the main way of teaching. That's what we need in every church. That's what Orangewood needs. That's what uh, Armonia needs. We all need that all those who are older and who are the elders really decide to transfer their knowledge, their experience, their guidance, their love to the following generation. Remember, being a father is not just about providing things to your children. Being a father, being a mother, it's also about raising them up so that they will be able and completely prepared to face the challenges of life from a Christian heart. So that's the same thing we need to do with the church. We need to do it everywhere. This year, just to give you an example, I was so very pleased to receive the Orange Woodians uh, that came to help us with the clinics in, in Oaxaca and in Mexico. It was great. The problem is that it was raining and raining and raining. You know, this last year was the rainiest year in my country uh, since we have records. So it was just pouring water everywhere. We could see waterfalls, new waterfalls appearing in the mountains. You see, where there, were no, uh, there was no water uh, a few hours before. It was amazing, the amount of water. And we went down to this village to have a clinic. And this is the first year in which I was able to sit down next to Marta uh, Castor to uh, dispense the medicines. Uh, for the very, very first time in all these ministry years, I was able to sit and just do one single thing and have a little cup of coffee or a drink and chat with Marta and the other girls who were there dispensing the medicine. It was a very joyful day for me. Very restful in comparison to many of my days. Because Lupe, you remember Lupe? The one who called us to worship? Lupe was in charge of everything. My wife was working with one group. I was working with another group. We were relaxed. We were doing what a human being should be doing, only one thing. And in, in a moment like that, but Lupe now was trying to, to handle everything. He was up and down, uh, seeing that the, the, everybody had enough food, that they knew where the bathrooms were, that everything was clean, that they would bring more of the sick people, that everything. He was just moving in every direction, and he had the energy to do it. Wonderful. Yes, we need to prepare the younger generations. We need to nurture. We need to inspire them. We need to tell them that there is an amazing rewarder. Not only in itself, but a reward when the chief shepherd appears, when he comes. For us all who have been faithful in shepherding the younger. But there is a message for the younger as well. Look what it says. Young men... In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Oh, boy. That's not a contemporary message, is it? We would like to think that the younger wouldn't have to stand the older. But 
See what it says. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And then, I'm sorry, and the God of all grace, who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we, we're reflecting on your word. We ask you to inspire us. We ask you that we are able, that we have the courage to open our hearts to your word. To this extraordinary challenge that you pose in front of us in your word. So that we take full responsibility of our, of our growth process, of our process of transformation in our own lives. And then to the process of transformation that you want to operate in the world through us. Father, give us more grace, more wisdom, more courage to do that. We ask you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, the main thing that uh, we need to understand is that this is not an automatic thing. Putting someone in leadership doesn't create, doesn't make them leaders, or doesn't make that person a leader. A leader needs to learn, needs to grow, needs to go uh, through life learning how love is faithful, how the love of God is with him or with her all the time, won't ever go, but needs to learn to trust that lesson. Needs also to learn how to believe that other brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ will be with them and for them when they are needed. One of the things that the devil loves loved to play with when Pilar and I were young in the ministry, and this will happen to you, yeah, that you are new missionaries working or planning to go into this, uh, in, into the fields, uh, is that he will tell you that nobody cares about your ideas or about your desires. He will repeat and over and over to you that you're crazy. That who you think you are for you to be remembered by anybody in the world. And it's going to be very hurtful. When my wife was sick, when I was sick, when we were uh, penniless, 
when we didn't have a telephone uh, to communicate with, the devil would love to play with those ideas in our minds. And we would see each other. You think anybody cares? And sometimes tears would come to us because we would think, no, no, really, nobody cares. Do you think anybody cares for the salvation of these very poor people or very rebellious people? No. But then God is so powerful. He would bring you. He would bring you, bring, bring you alongside. There was one moment, let me tell you an example. We, were, we came to our home. We were very happy uh, to see our children. We had been out in the, in the mountains for, for a couple of weeks. We're coming back, and we are delighted uh, just thinking that we are going to see our children and some of our friends, and we are going to rest. But as we come uh, uh, to the, to, uh, I mean, as we are approaching our home, we see that something strange is happening. And it, it happens, well, it happened that uh, a patrol, a couple of patrols had been in the, fr- uh, in the front of our house doing something at the door of our house and they just had left. And that had attracted the, 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 the neighbors. There was a lot of curiosity. So neighbors were looking at the door and then at us and then our, our children that, that were standing on the sidewalk and couldn't understand what was happening. As we approached, we noticed that our, our door was, um, um, how do you say, sealed, that our house had been impounded, that we didn't have any access to our house, and that they had put our children out of it before doing that. And we were like, what in the world is happening? What is this? And, um, and we had a little notice from the government saying that we, had, we were late in paying our uh, social insurance uh, taxes. And they had decided to close our house until we would pay. And, wow. We didn't know what to do. We just put our children in the car and cried. And we started our eternal discussion. Should I look for a job tomorrow? Should I just forget all about this? Because we never have money to pay all the expenses that implies to have a ministry. Should I just give this up or perhaps part-time and find me a job tomorrow? Because it's impossible. What if we wouldn't be coming back right now? Our children would be on the street without any chance to communicate with us. And the neighbors were not helpful. They were just curious and sometimes uh, having fun out of it. And um, we decided to pray. And our daughter had a series of envelopes in her hands. And, And I was saying, how are we going to pay this? How are we going to open our house? Where are we going to sleep tonight? And my daughter had a series of envelopes in her hands. And she kept insisting, Daddy, 
Daddy. But I was very busy with my ideas, you see, and trying to find for a plan, a plan, an emergency plan to solve this. And finally, she said, Daddy, you have some, some envelope. Okay, give me that. I open it. There is a beautiful letter from a friend with a $1,000 check. And he says, I was thinking of you, praying for you, and I thought I should send you this. That's it. That was it. I went to the bank, cashed the check, went to their offices, paid uh, the fine, came back, took all those ribbons, decorating the yellow ribbons that were at our door, and went inside. First thing we did was to kneel down, all of us as a family, thank God for his mercy, and thank God for you all. Yes, we're part of a body, but we need to understand that. We need to, to learn to believe it. And Peter had had a tremendous, tremendous time learning those lessons. Peter was not uh, speaking just from theory. Peter was speaking from a man who actually had denied the Lord and to whom the Lord had told him that he was to deny him, that he was to disown him. And, uh, and Peter had to swallow, had to, to drink from his bitter tears of remorse and personal pain because it happened like Jesus had said. He disowned Jesus three times. And Peter had gone through many difficult times becoming an integrated person and becoming a good elder so that he could recommend to other elders to do, to be like this. Please notice this. Please go to verse 8. See the kind of advice the younger ones get. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Had Peter been there? In the falses of the lion? Of course. He was speaking from experience. Peter was not making a theory of Christian life. Peter was telling us or telling them that growing in Christ is difficult. Becoming an elder is difficult. Becoming faithful, keeping faithful to Jesus is difficult. And the devil is our enemy in that task. This is not something that just takes maturity, just growing and becoming strong. This is a battle. When you go into the missionary fields, the obstacles are not just the different languages, the distances, the lack of money. You have to face an enemy with all his army and with all his uh, ferocious uh, plans to destroy you, to attack you, to go against you. He's going to have all types of plots to discourage you, to derail you, to send you back, to convince you. You can't. 
When we started seeing our children, we could stop the tears in our, in our, in our eyes. We just started to, to cry in celebration because God is faithful. And in spite of that terrible enemy, in spite of all the difficulties and the circumstances, his will is being expressed and these kids have come to his love. And now they're expressing it loudly. But he keeps saying, resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now let let me try to explain what we mean by this. There are two basic words that we use when we speak of transforming brokenness into life. And these are very important words for us. The first is integration, and the second is transformation. When I see all this, I cannot escape to my background being a psychologist and thinking, wow, this is an amazing recipe for for true integration of people. In order for us to become useful to God, we need to first be integrated. Let me give you two examples. First, the indigenous. The indigenous people, the indigenous kids that you see here, are people who have been pounded, hammered brutally by society, telling them that they are ugly because they're brown, telling them they're not good because they're short, telling them that they are not beautiful because of their features, which remind us more of uh, archaeological artifacts than Hollywood. Uh, Telling them that because they were defeated in the conquering wars, they are nobody. So when they approach life, they really don't feel well about themselves. They don't understand that they can be valuable. They don't understand how their languages can be precious and useful. They don't understand how special they can be. It takes a lot of time for us to go helping them to reconstruct one belief, one single belief that will change everything, that they were made the same as you and me to the image of God. When they can understand that they were made to God's image, they're free. They can see themselves with appreciation. They can integrate who they are with their faith. Now they understand that God loves them. Before that, they cannot see love. They can see that somehow God has pity on them. But has pity on them because, well, God is good. And in spite of their ugliness and in spite of their awkwardness or in spite of anything, God has compassion on them. But they can't celebrate who they are. When finally they come to the understanding that God created created them the way they are. And that that was pleasing to God. They integrate their faith and their lives. Then they can become useful. 
then they are proud of who they are. You, you, you see what I am trying to say? It's not easy. It is difficult. The, the, the moment in which Orangewood and Armonia became uh, partners was a very odd moment. But I love to repeat it over and over and over because it's precisely that moment in which we started to understand how God had to reconstruct his image in people to integrate them and get them out of poverty. Let me tell you. Let me say this story once more. Orangewood came to us as an accident. It, has not, it had not been planned. And we were there working together in the same garbage uh, dump. The Orangewoodians were beautiful, blonde, tall, young, moving. Well, they still are beautiful. And, uh, and they were just moving bricks and doing everything for the work to happen. And, um, but they had to go. Their days with us had finished. And the bus came to collect them. Joe and I had never spoken about them coming back. There was an understanding among us that they should never promise to these poor people who lived in the slum in the most awful conditions. Actually, we were working actually on on a garbage dump, on top of the garbage, that they shouldn't promise them anything, especially to come back. And... uh, and as they, the, the, the bus has started running its engine already. And, uh, and the doctors, the eye doctors, are packing. And, and they are behind everyone because they need to pack their things. I am just in the middle waiting for them to go. There is a heaviness inside of me. Because on one hand, I didn't want to work with Americans. On the other hand... These were special Americans. So, oh boy. How do I, do, I say these things? How, what can I do? And I was in the middle, uh, struggling, but I, I was just seeing them leaving. And then three women started to cry. They just were leaning against the wall inside of this garbage dump, and they started to howl. It was not normal crying. They were yelling. So I come to them and I, I said, I asked them, what are you crying for? And one of them says, because now that they came and saw us, that we are ugly, they will never come back again. And another says, they saw our poverty. They will never come back again. And the other said, they will never come back They're too beautiful. What could I say? I just stayed with them and sat on a stone. And I was as sad as them. I was just not crying. And um, in that moment, Patty, another woman from the community, starts coming down to where we are. And she's, she was very funny. Uh, the, mean, the, the way in which she was moving was very funny because she had an apron, and she was moving the apron like this, like um, saying, I'm very happy. 
you see, and even humming. And uh, so we said, uh, Patty, what are you so happy about? And, and she says, because they said that they were going to come back. They promised. And I said, Patty, are you sure? Are you sure? How many? Three of them. I ran to see Joe. Joe was already in the bus. He was seated with the others, waiting for the uh, a few uh, last ones to, to come into the bus. And I tell Joe, Joe, some of your people said that they will come back next year. And Joe just springs literally from his uh, chair and, and stands up and says, Okay, listen, you all. Who promised to come back next year? And I remember, I didn't know their names very well, but I remember their faces. I remember Scott Alexander. Yeah. I remember Doc Meyer. I remember Ken Moller. Ah. And, 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 and Joe says, I'm going to make you accountable. We're going to come back next year. Since then, Orangewood has been with us. That's a story of 24 years. But that's not the only meaning. One of the main features of poverty is isolation. Just by you repeating over and over your presence with us, just by assuring us that we were important for you, you were breaking poverty, destroying poverty, destroying this vicious cycle of poverty that really gets into us because of what we believe, that we are valueless. So a church can do amazing things if we really help people to integrate who they are to the eyes of the Lord. And finally, we are able to do that if we can integrate our life and, our, and who we are, we will be useful. You have to deal with your own problems. You, uh, the Americans, are famous for being in a time now in which you're putting your family as the center of life. And I warn you, that's not the place for the family. That's the place for Christ. Your family should be blessed by you putting Christ in the center. And it will show because your children will be interested in godly things, in doing God's will in their own lives. It will show because your children will be interested in serving the needy, in going to missions, in sharing what we have, what they have. But it will also show if you put them in the center and if you idolize your family. And instead of putting your family under Christ, you use your family as the obstacle for you to serve God. Some of you never go to missionary work because you have to be with your children in every sports practice. You have to challenge that thought. I'm sorry, but I need to tell you. Some of you will never invest 
in the missionary work of your church because you have to invest in the things your family needs. Please reconsider those thoughts. See that you are not missing the target. See that Christ is in the center of your life. Integrate who you are with your faith in a way that just by your life, people will know what you believe. People will know that you are a Christian. Integrate your witnessing with your life in a way that when people listen to you saying that you're a Christian, they will believe it because they see the evidence in your life. Integration is necessary for every one of us. And Christ should be in the center. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.